Welcome to Chef It. I'm Lisa. I'm a chef. I live and work in Los Angeles, and I cook for the rich and famous. And I'm sitting in a car at the Venice Farmer's Market Friday morning. It's about 8.30. And I wanted to share with you guys my staples, the fresh produce and products and things that I pick up weekly at this market that I feel is a huge part of my success in cooking. Um, When you have the right things on hand, there is just a level of confidence and ease about cooking that you can just relax into what you're doing. But when you're running around looking for the right basil or, you know, parsley or even chives or things, and and it sounds so, um, it doesn't sound so serious, but when you're trying to create a dish and you have a client and you need that level of confidence to know exactly how it's going to taste and look and the level of freshness and how it's going to transport and all those things, I like to have my tried and true things in my crisper, in my fridge, on my tabletop. You know, I like to have those things ready to roll. So, the Venice Farmer's Market, first of all, it's just a joy to live here on the west side. And I've been living here for close to 18 years. And it's close to the beach. It's a friendly community, just like most farmer's markets are. But it's well managed. And it's a great place to also see people. But I try to get in here and get out. So the people I'm socializing with are is like basically Santi, Santiago, Jorge, um, they're at Gourmet Specialty. I see Kinney and the whole crew over at Wiser. And then, you know, roll out to Lompoc Beans. And I, you know, I see my buddy Luis and his wife makes these amazing masks. And we usually catch up on whatever's going on and Polito and everything from, I mean, it's kind of sad that the seafood guy has passed away. So he's not around, even though he's pretty grouchy, but we all still miss him. Um, you know, to everything from Taco, this like darling, adorable woman. She's so tiny. She must be 4'11". She's such a love. And she sells these tiny cucumbers. I mean, I can't even take it. I mean, California Sunrise, come on. You guys have the cutest farm ever. And gorgeous tomatoes as well. Um, great Japanese farmers are fantastic. So my usual rundown is I try to get here early enough that the good produce is still here and then it's not too hot and things aren't dying so I can get it at its freshest and if I ha- if there's a struggle for me to get here I always send a little text out to Santi Santiago or over, over at Gourmet Specialty who just hooks me up takes care of all my stuff and the things that I need So my weekly go-to, my must-haves are always bunches of herbs from Gourmet Specialty. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not even sure how much each bunch is. I don't care. I go there. I spend about $15 to $20 depending upon how much I need of each bunch. But they've got big, juicy, beautiful, strong chive bundles They've got vibrant, you know, just not wilted, vibrant, vibrant cilantro bunches that are just so flavorful and not too, you know, sometimes it can be really intense, but it's just like perfectly sweet and balanced cilantro. Their basil is great. It never takes taste like anise. It has such a like special Neapolitan Italian flavor. And they also have a great Thai basil, which is not always, but when they do, it's absolutely, it's absolutely fragrant and gorgeous and does not wilt as well. Um, sometimes they have chervil. This is a season for that and, and tarragon, which is also the season for that. And it's very hard to find those at farmer's markets. So they do a great job with that as well giant stocky luscious oily fragrant bundles of you know English thyme and lemon thyme and then they also have rosemary sage which they have most of the year which is pretty awesome and um, their Italian leaf parsley their flat leaf parsley is fantastic I wish they would carry some curly leaf and there are other farmers that do that I know that's 
typically in Eurocentric cuisine, people look down upon, they, you know, they look down upon the curly parsley. Um, that's what you use in Middle Eastern cuisine. It's got heft, it's grassy, it's delicious. So, you know, don't rag on that until you know what you're talking about. Um, after I hit up my herbs and, um, oh, don't, let's not forget the amazing greens. So they have really great, mm, young lettuces, beautiful heads of lettuce, either butter lettuce, green, red. Sometimes they have a nice surprise today. They have frise. I'm so excited to go home and make a frise salad with a, with a poached egg. Um, they also had escarole today, which is fantastic, but I'm going to do my petit pois dish with that. So you guys can check that out on Instagram. And because I also got a big bunch of mint. Forgot the mint. Mint is like one of the key things. Sometimes I grab two bunches of mint because I love Middle Eastern cooking. I love Mediterranean cooking. And to me, like the parsley and the mint is such a huge factor. And also the dill. So let me not forget the dill. That's a huge part of Middle Eastern cooking too, whether it's Persian or or, you know, and just in terms of Jewish cuisine, um, and just overall fantastic and potato salad, let's be real. So, um, those bunches, I get beautiful bags of young arugula. Their arugula is so good. It's not, you know, some arugula can just be so fibrous and if you do, by the way, grow that, like there's a toothed, um, arugula, it's kind of long and dense and dark and strong. And I, I will say that if you store that properly, it can last a very long time. And other more tender styles or, or, or leaved arugula can, you know, feel like it might denature or bruise when handling it or washing it, what have you. Um, it's just a matter of personal taste. If you have that heavy, hearty tooth arugula, I like to chop that. I use that in dishes, but I try to incorporate that into a quick chop salad. That's not something you want to chop and like serve 20 minutes out. You want to do it fresh, get it on the table. It's great. Um, but the other arugula, which is more tender and sometimes just has a more young look to it and brighter color is just gorgeous with a squeeze of lemon, Malden sea salt, cracked black pepper, and you know, a little chili flake. It's fantastic. Drizzle of olive oil, whatever. Go for it. It's delicious. They also have perfect baby spinach. And even though I do have to wash their product, it looks already pre-washed. And I think it has a lot to do with the way they grow their product. So it's not dirty. It's not full of um, pests. I mean, it's just, it's really easy to handle. And for a private chef, for someone who is just trying to get product, get to a property, get in the kitchen, start unloading. You, you are lessening your amount of intense work and it's well packaged and storage stored so that in a way that you can just get your kitchen hyper organized. Now I've also become obsessed and embarrassingly so can't believe I'm going to admit this. I have become obsessed with zoodles. Now, I don't make zoodles, and I've had plenty of people give me zoodle machines for birthday, or I've had, I've had, I've walked into my clients' kitchens, and they're like, "Hey, Lisa, there's a zoodle maker, whatever that is. Someone gave it to us, so it's yours now. You know, have a great time." And I'm like, I never use that. I'm a master of julienning, pride of being a chef. But there's something to be said about grabbing a product from the farm. And I also hate that I'm saying this too because I really want to be more aware about climate change. But it is in a plastic container. So I might have to, I might have to change this conversation. I might have to stop doing this. But their zoodles are not like curly. They, are, they have some machine where they just julienne it perfectly. And they're large, long zucchini. So you get this hearty, long strand. And I use it to make a carbonara. I use it to dress with fresh ricotta that I made with Bart. That's become my new thing as well. By the way, delicious. Fresh ricotta, or just fantastic ricotta. By the way, ricotta is super easy to make. You can go onto my Instagram page and you can see the whole thing. 
Um, fresh ricotta, fresh mint, olive oil, fresh black pepper, some crunchy sea salt, maybe a squeeze of lime. Really don't need it to be quite honest because you want all that sort of savory, buttery, spicy, earthy, and then get the vibrancy with the mint. And toss that with um, some salted and peppered zucchini and let it just kind of break down a little bit, kind of like weep a little bit. That is a fucking, pardon my French, here I go again, sorry, it's chef and me or maybe not. That is delicious. Okay, put that on a platter. If you want to saute a couple quick, you know, sweet 100s or, you know, whatever, sun golds, have at it. Put that on top. Slice them in half. Toss those with a little salt too. Throw it on top as a raw salad. Incredible. Absolutely delicious. But I've also gotten into the mode of making um, the carbonara that I... There is a carbonara chef, and I'm just calling her that. That's not what she is, but she's known for it now because she was on the Bobby Giada Italy tour or whatever. Basically, she makes the, she takes, you know, the Parmigiano Reggiano and she makes like a sabayon. So she, in the bowl, she's steaming over a marie She's incorporating, melting the cheese and with the egg and with the pasta water you know, I think there's some garlic and salt and chili flake and whatever the hell she has going on. It's just a technique. So sabayon basically is you're cooking something, you're cooking egg with some sort of a liquid, whether it's wine or stock or just water over, um, a steam bath and you're cooking it over steam. So the steam gentle, you're whisking it the entire time. It becomes fluffy and aerated and sexy as fuck. It's delicious. I absolutely love it. Sorry again, more, more of the, more of that language. Okay. So it's super delicious. And then I like to just steam the zucchini noodles, zoodles, whatever the hell I hate that word. Um, give them a quick steam, like just till they're just till they're a little bit wilted right? So you can also season them with salt and do a wilting like that. It's another way. Just give it like 10, 15 minutes. I don't have a recipe for that. I just do it by eye. So get busy, do something else while that's wilting and that's how long it takes. So then you're going to put that sauce, um, just going to pour the sauce over it and then you're going to twirl it together and season it with some more you know, pecorino, papato, or, you know, parmigiano-reggiano, or both, or whatever, and, um, you can even crisp up a little bacon on top, that's fantastic, pancetta, guanciale, whatever it is that you want to use, I actually like to do it without that, I just like to feel more fresh in my life, and, um, you can herb it up, I mean, don't go crazy, a little bit of fresh parsley chopped on top, mint is actually strangely amazing and maybe that's just because I'm obsessed with it um basil of course is fantastic can't get away from the basil I mean let's be real it's delicious and I'm gonna guess that cilantro is pretty pretty damn good but it's taking that dish into another headspace right so all of a sudden you're like cilantro where am I what country am I in so or what state because that would be California so um That is my new weird obsession along with their curly beads. Now, they use a curly zoodle machine and it looks like hair. (laughs) It's just like you pull it out of the container. And I bought it for one of my clients, um, JT. She's four years old. Her dad is a very famous basketball player, Drew Holiday, and her mom is a badass FIFA two-time World Cup winner and Olympian, Gold Cup Olympian for women's soccer team. So Lauren Chaney, girl, you are a boss. She's a boss. So their daughter is adorable and, you know, she's like four. She loves to run around the house, she's distracted. She's like any kid whose parents are athletes. She wants to like run and be wild and do all the things that I was probably doing. Um, not that I'm an athlete, however, not that kind of athlete. So I wanted to get her in the kitchen with me for a couple minutes and we busted out the beets and we roasted them and we played with them and all that kind of stuff. But 
it kind of got me thinking about why am I so anti-Zoodle? It's just another shape. It's another product. I'm making fun of this thing because it's kind of entered this wellness zone where people are, you know, making these like raw salads and whatever. And I'm like, why am I being like this? In fact, like Mimi Kirk, who I am fortunate to know because this woman created juicing and I know that sounds like a huge statement and it sounds like something you have to go Google right away and fact check, do it because this woman is a badass. Her daughter, Lisa, is a friend of mine, and I've had the pleasure of dining with her and having her food and cook from her raw cookbook. She eats raw. She's gorgeous. Must be in her 80s. I mean, she's just absolutely stunning, this woman, and just an amazing person is really what I want to say, stunning inside and out. And she makes an incredible zucchini salad that... I can't believe I haven't been making and now that I'm thinking about this and I'm going to have to do that when I get home. So again, the beets are in that line of thinking salad. So think salad. So you add acid, it could be lemon and honey. It could be, um, the easiest thing in the world, which is seasoned rice wine vinegar. Can't get, it's like four bucks a bottle. I'm sure there's a place where it's two fifty. Um, sprinkle some of that on, walk away. It's not a big deal. Once that breaks down and wilts, it's fantastic inside of a Reuben sandwich. It's fantastic as a goat cheese sandwich. It's delicious as a part of a mezza platter, which is when you have like a big Mediterranean feast and you've got the stuffed grape leaf or dolma, if you will, um, depending upon what, what part of the Middle Eastern, because, you know, everything has different names and terms, but very similar food to, you know, all the, you know, delicious tabbouleh, baba ganoush, hummus, you know, all these things are on this huge platter of, um, of, uh, metza. It's like a, it's, it's, it's just come and eat, come and relax. The way that the Middle East eats is, is a joy. We should all be eating like that. Um, so that would be fantastic as like something just out there to grab and have. Now, you can also, if you want to be crazy and go back to the 1990s in San Francisco, you can deep fry them. And I think that would be cool because I feel like that would be child friendly and probably adult friendly to be quite honest. But as when I was back in culinary school, we used to make fun of a place that did that. Sorry, Eos. I don't mean to rag on you, but it just seemed like so male. Not to sidetrack too much, but coming up in the 90s as a chef and going to the California Culinary Academy where I trained, we were like at the... Sorry, I'm eating berries. We were at restaurants all over town. And not that we could afford to eat there, but friends worked there. And so you'd slip in and try and like share a beer and have a snack and act normal trying to be sophisticated and figure out how to do all these things because we're going to be in the back and what's it like to be in the front. So while we're doing that, you know, we're like witnessing these restaurants, which are mostly, well, I mean, almost entirely outside of Acarello and Zuni Cafe, almost entirely male. And all of those restaurants had towering food. It was just like, everything was structural. Everything was tall. Everything was somehow like pointed, like meaning crispy or stacked, you know, and then when you try to get to the plate, the plate can only be so big. I mean, they're not going to serve you a massive platter with room to like break down the tower and eat it. So inevitably this shit's going to get on your clothes and on your table. And if you have a white tablecloth, it's just embarrassing and looks horrible. And it's just not your fault. I want you to know it's not your fault. It's the chef's fault. This shit shouldn't be happening. Nobody needs to be making a log cabin out of sweet potato fries. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Um, quick story. (laughs) When I, I was working at stars at the time and one of the new younger chefs came in and he's like, Hey Lisa, you're in charge of the, you know, the flatbread, um, station. And so I had to, you know, I was smoking fish in the, in the, um, 
in the wood burning oven. I had to manage that whole thing and it was an amazing thing to learn and manage, make the dough and manage all the dough. And then I was in charge of making flatbreads and it was a straight up copy of, I mean, we were just trying to be Wolfgang Puck because at that time, not too long before that Wolfgang came out with his creme fraiche smoked salmon pizza, which by the way is fucking delicious. Okay. It's delicious. Um, it sounds stupid and it's definitely now in the archives of California cooking and will be for life. But I'm telling you at the time it felt kind of cool and dated at the same time. I don't know how that's possible, but it's kind of like tomato concasse on everything. You're like, Oh, this little diced tomato that you remove the skin, this little Brunoise tomato goes on everything. You're like, Oh, it's part of the dish. But then you're like, isn't this always dated? Like, even when it was happening, it was wrong. Um, unlike creme brulee, right? Creme brulee. Like, feels dated now. I mean, like a while ago. But when it, once it's hit, once it's a hit, once it's back, once it's hitting, once it, it's fire, right? It's ready. You're like, okay, this is the shit. So, some things just have, like, all that feeling. Well... We were doing a version of that smoked salmon creme fraiche with the caviar and the, the flatbread. So we did a flatbread version of it. And um, the chef comes in. He's like, oh, I have a new salad today. So we're doing the Caesar. Of course, that was a play on the Zuni Cafe Caesar, which was so epic. No one could copy that. Um, he's like, we're going to do a Caesar salad and we're going to make like a really extra crispy bottom, crispy edged flatbread. I'm like, okay. So he shows me how to do it. We're brushing the olive oil all over the top of the flatbread. I'm pulling it out into a nice oblong shape, get in the oven. It's like, you know, I don't know, 800 degrees in there. That thing comes out in about two minutes or under, maybe not even that long, maybe a minute. So you pull it out and then you cut it into sticks so you're cutting it, it's oblong. So you're cutting it into sticks with the, so it's rectangular and you're cutting the, you know, along, you're cutting into shorter sticks, not the longer side. And then you're tossing a salad and the salad was great. It was delicious. And the flatbread was delicious. And then you're, <laughs> you're building <laughs> can't even say it. You're building a tower on your plate of half the flatbread. I mean, this is pretty, you can't go too tall. So you're putting like little sticks down across from it. Like you're just building like a log cabin in the center is a very empty space. And then you're tossing this like Remain, which is not cut up. So it's like parts of Remain. So, you know, they're like stalks, right? They're like the beautiful innard stalks of the Remain. And you're tossing it with the anchovy, you know, dressing and all that business and the salt and the seasoning and the, I mean the, the Parmesan. And then you're like holding it as a bundle, like a bouquet of flowers. And you're putting it into the log cabin like it's a vase. So imagine you sit down to eat. This is so funny. I used to make fun of this dish so much that I, I got in trouble for it, but I used to make it and I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. So send this out. And I was still a student at the time. So I wasn't, I shouldn't really have been like heckling the chef, but well, behind his back, of course, I'm not going to say it to his face. Let's be real. I would watch beautiful diners come in people decked out it's a big night they're eating at stars and the woman routinely orders the caesar salad with the flatbread mostly i would say 99.9 percent of the people in that restaurant on a friday and saturday night they were ordering that were women and you're in your favorite outfit you're smoking hot you've got your like perfect outfit on gorgeous silk blouse, you know, this, you know, your tank dress or whatever the hell you're wearing. And when that thing comes, they're like, Oh, cause you're kind of excited. Cause it's like visually appealing as it comes through the dining room. 
like when you try to eat it, they're always, they have to like pull apart the cabin. Like pull it apart and then like the salad goes plop. And then they have to use a knife and fork to like cut through. And then the husband, I kid you not, I've seen this so many times. Actually, everyone at the table who didn't order it reaches over. It's like they're grabbing a fry off your plate, but they're grabbing a big wand. <laughs> Giant stick. <laughs> a flatbread. Oh, my God. And it's like there's nothing on the flatbread. I mean, it's like there's a little garlic oil and like I try to make it delicious because I know people are eating it plain because I mean, there's nothing to dip it into. Sometimes people are like, can we get some of that Caesar dressing for the to dip the bread? And I'm like, that's not how we make this salad. But I started making extra just for that reason. It was embarrassing. So that's something that I used to make with the log cabin. And how did I get, oh, back to the beads. So this is all, again, you guys are witnessing my mind, my, um, my segueing and my departuring of, um, topic. Okay. So that 90s scene, whether it was like these deep fried tendrils of a beet, a red beet sitting on top of your goat cheese salad at EO, EOS or whatever the hell it was in Hayes Valley, um, which by the way was one of the first, I think the first wine bar in San Francisco. So kudos to that or some, or whether it was some damn, you know, star salad that looked like a log cabin stuffed, stuffed full of, you know, lettuce, lettuce leaves. Um, they, those were men making that. And I'm not ragging on you guys that are listening. And t- I'm not ragging on you all. I'm just ragging on those men. I'm ragging on the culture of that time. So if you go to the Zuni Cafe, that was not happening. Judy Rogers was there. Loads of female chefs in that kitchen. Perfectly dressed. Caesar salad. And I know everybody's like, ew, Caesar, why is everybody talking? Why are you talking about Caesar's salad? You're a professional chef. That salad, when executed perfectly for what it is, is one of the greatest things ever made. So don't miss out on that. If you can go to Zuni Cafe, now that we're opening back up, get, get your ass over there and order it. And I'm hoping it's still as good. It should be. Rest in peace, dear Judy. Um... But yeah, with like the perfect croutons. And like I, when I do my version of it, I make golden breadcrumbs and it's just, you don't even need cheese because you have this like salty, fatty, crunchy element to these perfectly dressed, um, slightly anchovic. I'm just making that word up. I use a little bit of Tabasco because I want a tiny bit of bracing heat, just a little bit. You don't know it's there, but that with the lemon juice and the red wine vinegar and gorgeous floral, juicy, peppery olive oil. And of course, the best cheese. Pecoran- uh, I love to use Pecorino. I love Grana Padano because it's so sweet. And of course, Parmigiano Reggiano, which also has a nutty sweetness. If you want to combine those or use any of those individually, it doesn't matter, but they'll be different, but try it and see what you like. It's mind blowing. So that salad changed my life at Zuni and I buy from gourmet specialty, giving myself applause for bringing, for bringing myself back to the conversation. (laughs) Gourmet specialty sells the most beautiful lettuces, the little gems, you know, the ones you buy that are like in that weird molded plastic container where they're like, here's your little gems. Each one will fit into this little globe of plastic. And I'm like, what? Like, do they think we're morons? What am I like doing a, like a monster truck, like competition with those in the back seat? Like what is, I don't understand the coddling of that lettuce. So anyhow, they put it into a plastic bag and you get four or five depending upon the size it's five bucks and they're perfect and they last three weeks in the crisper and they're still very good after three weeks so I use them for lettuce cups I use them for the Caesar salad I've used them for a million things um they also have of course today they had some new items which I'll talk about in a second but 
They also do um, heads of butter lettuce, which are absolutely fantastic, and a couple of other items like beets and things that I pick up that are loose and inexpensive and always delicious. But today they had frise, and they also had escarole. So I'm excited to do um, my petit pois dish, which you, if you've bought my cookbook or if you've purchased the online book, the Eline book, um, you can check out the recipe. It's basically a really classic I'm going to call it a British dish because I feel like it's more popular in England than it is even in France. And um, it's basically peas with a French name, petit pois. So it's the shape of the pea. So the pea, there's large peas, and then there's these ever so special sorted baby peas, little tiny peas, little gems. So it refers to that. So you're having the petit pois, the little, the small little peas. And um, there's lettuce. There's some sort of onion. I like to use leek. Um, there is sometimes bacon sauteed. You can use um, chicken stock or not. Um, and you've got the torn lettuce leaves that are kind of tossed in right as the right as the peas are perfectly cooked. And oh, just a little bit before you want them wilted and a part of the dish. And then you're ending the dish with a load of fresh mint drizzle of olive oil, butter, some sort of fat, delicious dish. So it's in my cookbook. You can check it out. And I'm going to be making that on Instagram soon. So you can also you can tune in, you can zoom in or whatever the hell it is. Um, so there's that. And the frise I can also use in that dish. But because um, I like to use escarole in my recipe. I also found some Napa cabbage, which is also absolutely delicious with the petit pois and just great in so many levels. I mean, you can just bake it, roast it, shave it, whatever you want to do. Cabbage is there for you, I'm telling you. It's like the be-all, end-all thing to just always have in your fridge. I swear to God, you could probably have a cabbage from last year. And you can be like, oh, there's nothing to cook. And it's like, oh, I have this cabbage from like a century ago. And let's shave it and toast some peanuts and... Um, you know, I don't know. Seriously, you just do those couple of things and it'd be delicious. So I also picked up, I'm trying to think here, guys. Oh, berries. So it's mid-May. It's mid-May. And Rancho La Familia. I love these guys. I don't know why I make it sound Italian because they're actually Mexican. They have the best berries. Now, I'm in Southern California. Everything here is early. We have a very Mediterranean climate. And it's just different here, right? It's a little bit different. So if you're on the East Coast, I apologize. I'm sure you have way better blueberries, blackberries, raspberries once your summer hits. But I'm telling you, these are on par. I've been to Maine. My best friends are from Maine. I've had the blueberries. I've had the blackberries. I've had the raspberries. They're amazing. So are these. These blackberries the size of my thumb okay and I have big thumbs and then these these raspberries fit over like a little hat or a little dress fit right over my pinky they're massive and the blueberries are very plump and delicious mm. so thank you I picked those up when berries are in season that goes on to the staples list next staples list always and forever Lido Family Farms. Get a gorgeous bag of Meyer lemons, which are now more ubiquitous. Like before, there was like one season, winter, meaning like a month or a month and a half where you could get Meyer lemons. And I do have a secret Meyer lemon tree, which I do need to raid soon. Um, it's been a while, but it's it's way out. It's way out. It's in the beach cities, and you know, it's out there. I gotta get out there. Um, but I just picked these up. They are always gorgeous. Yellow to orange flesh. Very thin. Great for zesting. They're not waxed. And they also have the best grapefruit on this planet. Oro Blancos. So it's like a white, it's a white sweet grapefruit. It's delicious. And they have pomelos and a bunch of other 
their citrus in general is fantastic. They have incredible tangerine juice. They have incredible orange juice. I think they have a pomegranate juice or some sort of like mixture of juices, but whatever. It's all fantastic. And I love Polito Farms. Um, then there's Lily's eggs, pricey and delicious. I mean, like, listen, I'll pay a dollar for an egg. Think about it. It's an animal. No, don't think about it, but just buy it. Golden yolks, the albumin, which is the egg white, stands up tall. So if you're poaching, it's lovely as hell. If you're frying, it's lovely as hell. If you're making an omelet, it's gorgeous, gorgeous color. Delicious flavor. Um, also on the list, California Sunrise, my girl Taco. I think I just mentioned her, did I not? Anyhow, Taco is adorable. She is um, like Andy Rooney. Um, she's about 4'11", maybe shorter. Just, just tiny little darling, love a woman, who has the biggest, brightest, most unsuspecting personality. So her cucumbers match her adorableness. They're so tiny. They're little Persian cucumbers, and they have a curl to them. And they're just delicate looking. And then when you bite into it, it snaps like a motherfucker. It is so delicious. I can't even do it. It's amazing. They sell like a nice straight English cucumber, which is very delicious too. Not my favorite. Um, not my favorite variety, but delicious. And they sell these sort of blue, red, very thin skinned Japanese tomato. And they're Japanese farmers, so um, I'm always just amazed by this tomato. So I bought some today, and they're usually five bucks a bag, four bucks a bag for the cucumbers. And like, so you walk out of there nine dollars short, and you're like, this is amazing. So anytime I've ever used those two products, just quickly on some sort of mezza plate or something in a salad, I have such a level of confidence whether if I'm making something with also the gourmet specialty greens I just spoke about and their herbs and those items, I can make one salad beautifully executed, gorgeous to look at. I mean, something that you are just mouth watering. I know how good that's going to be. I have complete confidence in the ingredients and my, you know, relationship with it cooking wise. I eat it every day. I know that my client's going to have a great experience and they're going to notice there's something special going on. It's not just a salad. I mean, it is just salad, but it's just the best, right? It's got the best stuff. Okay. Um, what else have I got here? So we've already talked about Rancho La Familia. Um, Dave's. Dave's like Korean goods. Dave's is the bomb. Now, I have to tell you, I'm embarrassed to say, I didn't know about Dave's vegetarian court of um, Dave's vegetarian stock until I had the most delicious celery soup of life at the cookbook club most recently. Okay, so I, I... I don't even know what to say, except that it was the most nourishing, delicious. I'm obsessed with this soup, but I need to make it soon. And apparently she made it with Dave's vegetable broth. And as I was eating this soup, I'm like, there's shiitake in this. I know there's shiitake because shiitake has like so much umami and so much intensity. So I, I didn't buy that, but I'm definitely looking forward to trying it and trying to make, um, sipping on it and trying to make a version of my own. Sorry, Dave. Well, you've inspired me. How about that? Um, Lompoc beans. And they don't just sell beans. Lompoc sells the most beautiful, ginormous artichokes I've ever seen. They're known for their artichokes. The freshness is unbelievable. They are seriously... There was an artichoke today that had kind of bloomed a little bit. This is the size of my face. I have a photo of it. I'm going to put it on Instagram. I'm like, what is this? Like, you can feed a whole family with one artichoke. Those would be great. Carciofi, carciofi. Those would be great doing, like, the Roman style where you're, like, flattening the pan and fry the hell out of it. Also great steamed. Another recipe out of my cookbook, cooking us back together. Um, just, you know, actually, I don't, I don't steam mine. I 
I, they're bathed in a ton of garlic, olive oil, rosemary, thyme, bay leaf. By the way, Gourmet Specialty has big, fresh bunches of bay leaf. And I usually dry them and use them and also use the fresh. Um, but I just, you know, make this highly seasoned lemony broth. It's so intense. And a little bit of olive oil and black pepper. And I learned that from um, Donia Bijan. Did I give her credit? But I learned how to prep the artichokes from the River Cafe in London. So anyways, all the things come together over time. And then I make it in this specific way. And then I also use that liquid to poach white asparagus or asparagus or what have you or potatoes. So in a way, it's it's just transformed into something that it's just what I do. And I'm sure Donia learned that from Michelle Bra or somebody rad or whatever. So maybe whatever. I'm giving her credit right now. That said... There's also a new fishmonger, um, J&W, J&W Seafood. Hmm. I'm embarrassed to say I can't even remember. Rest in peace, Sweet Soul. They used to sell us seafood for years. Um, having a brain freeze. He was so grouchy, this guy. He was such a curmudgeon. You're like, hey, how's it going? How are the muscles today? Great. I'm sorry I worked really late last night. You know what a hassle it is getting this fish to you guys? And you're like, thank you, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, pull out your credit card, everything there. I bought clams once. He talked me into buying extra. He's like, just finish it off. Just take the rest of the bucket. So I'm like, okay. It was $60. I was so pissed. I didn't know. Like, I walked away and I looked at my receipt. I'm like, I just spent $60 on clams for myself. So anyhow, I froze them fresh, which sounds weird. I gave them a rinse, then I froze them fresh um, into little baggies. It did smell my freezer. (laughs) Do not do that. At least put some sort of like baking soda or something in there. Um, But I mean, just like a box like you do for your fridge. Just pop that in there and hope that that helps. But I pulled them out and would make like sausage and clams with white wine and, you know, toasted bread. And it made for like really, I had like six meals with that, you know, I pulled a couple out to make clams and linguine when a friend came over. Damn it. That sounds good. I feel like I should be making that this weekend too. Hmm. I'm still in the parking lot. I bet he sold out of clams and I can't afford it anyways. I'm looking for a job, you guys. I need a job. I've never in my life had to look for a job. I mean, not like this, where I've been... COVID. All you young, hot chefs got my job. Good for you. But I should be working soon. I'm supposed to be working for Elton, but I don't know if that's happening. Some young, hot chef probably moved in. Ah, I'm still good, you guys. Come on, no one has my experience. Let's be real. Anyhow, new things are on the horizon. I'm eating berries like mad. I'm going to sign off, but I'm going to sign off with a little Dave's Market bag of... Hmm, what did I buy today? Lauren Dagman, this is in honor of you. So my friend Lauren used to work at Jamie Farms. They sell lamb and all kinds of delicious things. And that's at the Wednesday Santa Monica Farmer's Market. Now she is in Kona. So if you ever go to Kona, you're on the big island or whatever that is. And you're um, at a farmer's market. I'm forgetting what side of the island she lives on now. Either way, I'll share something about her soon. She lives on a 100-acre grove of coconuts and all kinds of fresh tropical fruits. She goes out, climbs up on trees, hacks down coconuts, gets fresh coconut meat, makes her coconut milk for her smoothie bar that she opens at the farmer's market. She makes her own granola. She dries her own fruit to put into the granola. She has all kinds of like, again, because it's such a wonderland of, you know, of produce in Hawaii. And when I went to visit her, I'm, you know, our, my goal was to like, just eat everything and only everything Hawaiian. Um, ate a lot of poke, which was amazing. And 
just had a lot of like really interesting breakfast like Simon which is like a soba noodle soup that has like a beef patty and you know all this yummy yummy stuff but she took me to a tropical farm where there were I think 200 different fruits that we tried so she uses a lot of those things that are accessible to her and she makes these incredible nourishing delicious shakes with her granola the girl is the bomb so I want to thank Lauren who has again really sort of exotic I hate using that word she has um a big brush stroke of flavors that are tropical and and just from every corner of the world and I really appreciate appreciate that because I'm so Eurocentric and American with all the influences as well coming in but it's never like my focus and that is her focus so she would pick up the seaweed tempa Dave's seaweed tempa which I think I'm going to try right now and I also picked up Dave's burdock which has like a teriyaki seasoning I guess oh my god this is so Damn, this is good. I'm going to make this into like a spring roll with some of the lettuce that I bought from Specialty Gourmet and some of the carrots. By the way, Wiser Farms. Oh my God. I didn't even talk to you guys about Wiser. Kenny and the guys and Eric, Joanne, whole crew, amazing farm, amazing people running the stand. Sherry Girl and Alejandro. Alex Weiser, he's the son of the farm. His dad, Alex, rest in peace, dear man. And his mom, Raquel, started a farm about 40 years ago. And it's the premier farm of Los Angeles. Their produce is bar none. Heirloom potatoes are just beyond. They changed the whole game. They changed the landscape of like how we're eating in restaurants and everywhere. So now that you, you have access to get that, it's kind of mind-blowing. So, um, yeah, I picked up some things from them today, too. Their beach, their radishes, their watermelon radishes, wow, changed again. So I'm going to use all those things to make some mm -hmm, delicious lunch because I started running again today. Got inspired. Watched a show, um, a show on Discovery Plus called The Courage to Run with that guy Chip Gaines I just discovered new people they've been around forever I just discovered them because of Discovery Plus and I didn't know anything about them I had all kinds of opinions I'm sure but now I'm like these people are inspiring they're entrepreneurs and um, it's a very sad story but it will inspire you to run and maybe achieve anything that you thought you couldn't because you can you know um, this professional runner was suffering from cancer and her saying was you can struggle but you can't quit I think that's absolutely amazing and I thought to myself I've been a runner my whole life I stopped running because of working on my feet as a chef and having so many different injuries and bad knees and the whole thing mostly it's just a lack of personal care because you're overworked and overtired and then you're not nourishing or you know the time you have off you don't want to self-care you want to go hang out with your friends or you want to go to the beach or you want to do something fun um, or pass out <laughs> which is also not exactly self-care so I've been in a practice the last few years of trying to nourish my body and again eating from the farmer's market is it's just a huge gift it's a huge part of that it's a I want to eat the way my clients eat the way that I feed them and the way that I give them self-care I want to do that for myself. And sadly, you know, being a part of a beach community, I was always on my bike and running and walking, and I still do those things. But when you're older, it's very different. You know, your body just shifts, and, it's, and you are in a different space. And whatever, whether it's hormones or, you know, metabolism or just things, we all know what the aging process is. Every decade has its thing. And so with that, I've, I've just missed running because it's a way that I clear my mind and have had so much health, inner and outer beauty, to be quite frank. Both of those things really are linked to me. Um, 
it was just a way of feeling incredible and I miss it so much and when this guy Chip Gaines was like hey how long does it take for a fat guy to train for a marathon and these people were like four months and then he like committed himself to it and not only that he didn't believe he could do it while he was doing it which is hilarious because he hates running and then he decided to just throw a marathon to honor this runner who is suffering from cancer with the quote, you can struggle, but you can't give up. She became Chip Gaines' trainer. So watch the show. I know I kind of um, took you on a backward spin there. So you're like, what the fuck is she talking about? But um, yeah, I'm inspired. And I just realized last night, (laughs) you just have to run 10 minutes. It's like meditation. Just give yourself five minutes. And then it becomes 10. And then you're, you enjoy it so much you need it. And you're like, okay, 10. Okay, maybe 20. You know, routine. Good routines. Self-care routines. And that's all it is. And so today I'm really happy I'm having this like probiotic Korean food from Dave. Farmer's market. Berries. Post. We did 20 minute run. Post 20 minute run. Didn't overdo it. I was so proud of myself because I always want to push hard and do an hour and sweat and then be obsessed and then get injured. That's just my personality. So I'm trying to like just pace myself and do all that. So I'm going to go home and make these delicious things and cook from them. And you'll see it rolling out on the old stovetop Instagram. If you don't know, S-T-O-P-P-E-D at... Mm, that's my email address. Don't need to do that. At S-T-O-P-P-E-D Instagram. Stove topped. Alright. Talk myself to death. There, when I first started talking, there was a cavalcade of cars. I'm telling you, you couldn't even drive into this parking lot at the Venice Beach Farmer's Market. People rolling in. Now, I'm the only person left on this side of the parking lot. They're wrapping it up in half an hour. So, anyhow, do yourself a favor. Get your ass to the farmer's market. If you can't do that, get your ass to Trader Joe's or wherever. Pick up some zoodles. Pick up some seasonal produce. Get some berries in your life. Make something delicious and just... 10 minutes of self-care. How about that? Just a little self-care, right? Something, anything. All right, guys, over and out. Till next time.